and welcome, Mahabave Hoshkeldenez. Welcome again to our podcast, Talking Round North Cyprus, where we chat about all things to do with the Turkish Republic of North Cyprus and the people who live here or have a passion for the place. And when I say we, I do, of course, mean my former BBC Jersey colleague, uh, Mr. Roger Barra, who's been living in the TRNC with his wife for, well, must be nearly 10 years now, I guess. Uh, Morning, Roger. I might be right in saying could be colder there uh, than it is in England. I've seen pictures of snow and all sorts going on there. What's what's you'd have having a harsh winter? Hello, Sarah. Hello, everybody. Yes, we are having a, a very severe winter by by TRNC standards. Many of us are wearing clothes that we haven't <laughs> worn for two years because last winter it just didn't get cold. You know, winter just didn't really happen. I mean, we had some rain, but it didn't get cold. At the moment, it's unseasonally cold. Uh, nighttime temperatures are in the low single figures in mm. places, so that means places are getting snow. Daytime, the recent temperatures as we approach the end of January, in the very low teens, in fact, 11 or 12 degrees, it has been the maximum. Uh, yeah. it, again, in the sun, it's fine, but as soon as you get a bit of a wind up or the sun goes behind clouds, it certainly is very chilly. So, mm. yes, I think your temperatures are slightly higher than ours. <laughs> And that doesn't happen very often. It doesn't. No, it's very mild here in the UK. I mean, all right, the wind is uh, a bit uh, a bit nippy at the moment. I have to say, I mean, I know, you know, if you've never driven in snow before, or you've never been involved in snow before, and I'm guessing a lot of people haven't there. But I did see a Facebook post where it, it, it just looked like somebody gone along with a little bit of icing sugar and sprinkled it along the path and on the ground and stuff. <laughs> somebody was saying how awful it was to drive. Um, and uh, you know horrendous and and it was a real it was a real worry and I was just like you've obviously not lived in Switzerland or anywhere like that but I know it can be difficult I mean I know when it snowed in Jersey and it did snow in Jersey now and again as soon as there were a couple of flakes down the schools were shut because everybody was a bit worried about getting out so it's all relative I know and I know if it doesn't snow there very often it is uh, it can be a little bit difficult if your back tires are skidding a little bit but um, hopefully everybody's hopefully everybody's safe anyway. Yeah well luckily there's a report this morning of someone safely managing to get through an experience where a pensioner, a Turkish Cypriot pensioner, drove his car through a shop window in Famagusta. He pressed down on the accelerator instead of the brake. Um, Nobody was hurt except a few washing machines and white goods. Oh, no. Oh, I hope he's all right. What do you do? Go for a spin around the block? Oh, goodness, I'm on fire. I (laughs) I don't believe you just said that. I don't know how many people will be on the road around now because, once again, uh, fuel prices are going up 80 kurush per litre extra as from now. Uh, The last price hike was only on the 15th of December, so it's, you know, just Mm. over a month ago. So those of you that use 95 octane unleaded will now be paying 12.45 teller for one litre, which is probably double what it was a year ago, but... We all know what's happened to the lira. But again, mm. not good news, is it, for, for the local people? No. And the other tidbit I've got heard uh, this week, Sarah, is more anger from our foreign ministry here in the TRNC over the UN Security Council, uh, who've extended the mandate of the peacekeeping force, the UN force in Cyprus, for six months. Uh, that's quite normal. But once again, 
they didn't even bother contacting the Turkish Cypriot authorities yeah. to say to us what they thought about it, which they never do. And mm. quite frankly, a lot of us are asking, what on earth are the United Nations doing here? They're doing absolutely no good whatsoever. In fact, I'd go as far as to argue they're doing harm in the way they're treating uh, the north side of the island. But uh, yeah. that, that's all that's happened here, apart from the great excitement of election. Yes, because I know last week when we spoke, you were you were a little bit worried that you weren't going to be able to uh, go to the bar and watch Arsenal and and have a drink because um, you weren't allowed to drink on election day. So how did that how did that pan out for you? Not very well. I opened a bottle of wine and it was a, a nil nil draw, which uh, wasn't the most exciting thing. But my my local bar literally shut for the day because you know it just wasn't worth them opening for a few hours in the evening. I do know some people managed to buy alcohol in supermarkets. And, you know, the little market stores were still selling alcohol in some places. So uh, it was quite interesting. Well, talking about great excitement and last week's elections, uh, we thought we'd bring you right up to date with what happened there. So our guest today is editor in chief of the newspaper Cyprus Today, Eltan Halil. Um, We've chatted to him before. He's been uh, really good and he uh, came on. So check out the journalist one. It's one of our first guests, actually. So that's sort of a little way back. But he's uh, got a really interesting backstory as to uh, how he came to be with Cyprus today. And he joined us, started by explaining the current political system in North Cyprus. Uh, So in the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus, we have what's known as a parliamentary system. Uh, So what this means is we vote and elect a total of 50 MPs, which is what happened last Sunday in the general election. Uh, And then from those 50 MPs, the party that has uh, the most number of seats is then asked to form a government. If it cannot form a majority, uh, then it will have to form a coalition with other parties. Position of president, just so listeners know, is not affected by this general election because the president is elected as the leader of the uh, TRNC abroad and basically to deal with negotiations to solve the Cyprus problem. Whereas the government, which is headed by a prime minister, is mainly there to deal with the sort of domestic uh, policies and issues and the day-to-day running of the TRNC. Last Sunday, we had an early general election. It was supposed to have happened. The next one was supposed to have happened in next year, uh, but they called it a year earlier. And in terms of the results, the National Unity Party has emerged as the biggest party, but it wasn't able to form a majority It got 24 of the seats in the 50-seat parliament. Where we are now is basically they're going to have to form another coalition. And we're just waiting to see now what's going to happen because there's a certain process they have to go through. The the results have to be published in the official gazette. Then there's a sort of 10-day waiting period when, and then after that, MPs have to be sworn in. And only after that can the president, who is Ersin Tatar at the moment, then ask the the leader of the biggest party to try and form a government. And that's where we are at the moment. The fact that there are so many political parties means there's never, ever a definitive result, certainly not in the years I've been living here. Well, that was an interesting question. When I saw your question, I thought, well, actually, how many political parties are there in the TRNC? Because there were eight political parties uh, contesting the election, but they aren't all the political parties. 
Um, there were a couple who boycotted the election for various reasons. Uh, there were also some that didn't contest the election but formed a pact with the parties that were uh, taking part in the election. So I, I looked on the TRNC uh, Supreme Election Council website and they list 14 political parties in total in the TRNC. I did, by the way, look up how many political parties are in the UK out of interest. And it said, I found a, uh, that there were about 400 at the last <laughs> general election. Although, of course, <laughs> there is a much bigger population, so we can't really directly um, compare them. And a report in 2021 <laughs> said Turkey had 116 political parties. Uh, and I found a list of political parties in South Cyprus that numbered about 18. But I, probably 14 for the TRNT is probably still quite a lot. As I say, there were eight political parties contesting the general election of which five actually made it into Parliament. The, the difference between here and the UK is that in the general election, parties are given votes based on a proportional representation system, but they must get over 5% of the votes to get into Parliament. So there were a couple of parties that fell below that 5% threshold on Sunday and therefore didn't get into Parliament. And then those seats get redistributed among the other parties that are in Parliament. Do all the political parties, do they represent all the views across the political spectrum from right, far right to far left? There is a wide spectrum of political parties, um, whether you would call them far right or far, far left, um, I guess is, is uh, subjective. But there, there is like, you know, when people were voting on Sunday, they had quite a big menu of parties to choose from. Um, they had a big ballot sheet with uh, eight, as I say, eight political parties and 50 candidates from each party. A lot, a lot of the parties tend to align themselves in terms of where they stand on the Cyprus problem, even though that wasn't the real issue in this election. But usually that, that's how these parties are categorised. So you'll have those parties who are, say, let's say on the right tend to support the TRNC or a two-state solution, which is what the president, Ersin Tatar, is advocating, and strong, close ties with Turkey. Uh, whereas those parties, which could be said to be on the left, tend to support unification of Cyprus and a federal solution with the Greek Cypriot side. So there is a, a quite a wide range of political parties in Cyprus. It is quite, I'd say, a healthy democracy in that sense, in that people can choose from all kinds of different political parties across the whole spectrum. But one thing I would, would say is that despite their differences in policies, the, a lot of the leaders of parties tend to get on very well with each other. What with it being a small country, people tend to know each other on a personal level. They might be related. So... Often you, you will sometimes see politicians switching from one side to another. So the, the classic sort of left to right description, I would say, probably doesn't apply quite as stringently in the TRNT as it might do in other countries. Obviously, the expats living in the TRNC feel completely disenfranchised from this process because they're not allowed to vote. Do you think there might come a time when a certain amount of permanent residency would entitle us immigrants to to have a say in the form of the government and what do the local people here who can vote you know what is the turnout and how does it compare with recent years okay well to deal with the first question about people who are 
not citizens. There, there isn't really, I would say, much appetite within the TRNC among Turkish Cypriots for, in terms of citizens for non-citizens to be able to vote in general elections. And it's worth pointing out that even TRNC citizens who live abroad cannot vote in a general election. So it's not just uh, permanent residents from other countries. It's also TRNC citizens living in countries like the UK and Australia who cannot vote in their own country's general election. You have to be living here as well. You have to have an address here. And this has been a bone of contention for Turkish Cypriots living abroad for quite a long time. There are some parties who do support Turkish Cypriots living abroad being allowed to vote in some way. Uh, as for non-citizens and permanent residents, I, I've not seen or heard any kind of suggestion that they could at some point in the future be allowed to vote in a general election. However, I know that there have been discussions in the past to perhaps allow res permanent residents to vote in local elections for like mayors and councillors, because after all, you, you pay taxes, you pay for your water bills to, to the local authorities, you pay to have them come and fix up your roads when there's a problem. And I know that I think in the UK, Certainly, if you're a non-UK citizen, you can vote in, in a local election, but not in a general election. I think that's the case there. So I think a system where, at least for local elections, where permanent residents could vote, so I think that is something that uh, could be done and has been discussed, but nothing so far about a, a general election. Coming on to the point of turnout, which I think is a very good point you raised, because the turnout in this general election... Uh, and, and which you can read about in, in great detail in Cyprus today in the issue that's coming out on, uh, that will have come out by the time this podcast is broadcast. It, it was the lowest ever, actually, in TRNC history. Uh, it fell to 57.41%. Uh, and by TRNC standards, that is incredibly low, because if you look through the uh, turnout figures in the 80s and the 90s and even up to 2009, it was usually above 80% sometimes as high uh, as over 90%. But the, the trend since, since around 2009 has been for lower turnout. So there's, there's kind of a longer-term trend for turnout to be falling each election. Also, for this particular election, I think there were, another, there were a few other factors. For example, we had COVID, which we didn't have at the last general election. So this was the first... Election, general election, although we had a presidential election, this was the first general election to take place in the COVID-19 era. And one problem was that COVID-19 positive people, so anyone who tested positive in, and was in quarantine in the, on election day was not allowed to vote. And because of Omicron, because of the high number of cases which we've seen lately, which have been in the mid to high hundreds, it's estimated that there were probably a good few thousand people who weren't able to vote because they were in quarantine. Another issue that's been put forward, as I mentioned earlier, was that there was a boycott by some parties. How much effect that had is hard to tell. It was also very cold on Sunday. So we, we're going through one of the coldest winters I can remember for a long time in Cyprus. We had snow on the mountains, ice and everything. And on, on voting day, it was, uh, there was a bitterly cold wind. It, it was very cold. So that may have put off some people if they weren't that bothered about voting. And another reason, I think, perhaps just general voter apathy. 
that could also be another factor that, that we've seen in the long time, just people perhaps feeling that they've had enough of elections, um, you know, what kind of difference is it going to make anyway? Um, so that that's an interesting issue there on turnout. So just going to that point about what difference does it make anyway? So where are we now? Which parties did well? And will anybody notice any difference? I mean, what, what will it mean to the man on the street? Well, in terms of which parties did well, so it, it was basically the biggest parties. What we've seen is kind of a reverse from the last election with the vote in terms of votes and seats being consolidated between the National Unity Party, known as the UBP, and the Republican Turkish Party, or the CTP, who've basically taken 42 out of the 50 seats in Parliament. So both of those parties increased their vote share and increased the number of seats in Parliament. The UBP the UBP has 24 seats and the CTP 18 seats. In terms of the, the losers, if you like, the People's Party's popularity plunged. They had something like nine MPs uh, at the last election, which happened in Gen- January 2018. And that was from, I think, 17% of the votes. And they've seen their vote share go down to just under 6.7% and now only have three MPs. There was no change for the Democrat Party, which is the party currently in coalition with the UBP. They stayed on three MPs. And there was also the Rebirth Party, known as the YDP. They stayed on two MPs. And the other big, the other big losers were the Social Democracy Party or the TDP, which actually which had three MPs last time, but fell below the 5% threshold. So they're now completely out of Parliament. And their leader has tended his resignation. In terms of what's going to happen next, as I, as I said before, now there will be discussions about who's going to form a coalition because the UBP, although they've increased their votes, they wanted to govern alone. So they, the, the leader, Faiz Sajor, really wanted to get a majority so that he could govern alone and then know for the next five years they, you know, there's stability, they don't need anyone else. But he hasn't quite achieved that. Uh, so, so there will be negotiations about another coalition, who that may be. We don't know at this stage. There's various scenarios have been put about. Uh, but the Prime Minister, Sir Joel, has said at this stage, anything is just gossip. But we probably won't know until February, you know, what that government will be. In terms of how it affects the man on the street, well, judging by the turnout figures, it seems that perhaps a lot of people don't think it will affect them that much. As I said before, the the, the main role of the government is to deal with the domestic issues. And right now, the economy is the big issue. And that was the issue that was coming up in the election campaign. That was what everyone was talking about. We have a cost of living crisis at the moment. The Turkish lira has lost a lot of value against the against other countries such as sterling, euro and the dollar. And last at the end of December, inflation in the TRNC hit 46%. And just yesterday, there was an announcement of another price rise in uh, fuel. So fuel has gone up again. It's now cost more than double what it did at the beginning of May last year. Although the minimum wage has gone up, politicians, some are just saying, well, that's just keeping up with uh, prices, basically, barely keeping up. So so that's the biggest issue at the moment. And the other issue uh, is about energy because there's both a global energy crisis, but also that's having an impact here in the TRNC in terms of not being able to produce enough electricity, especially what with the cold weather driving up demand 
and also with uh, calls for more infra- for more investment in infrastructure. And the government has said yesterday it's going to borrow uh, $4 million to help pay for fuel oil to power the power stations that we have in the TRNC. So these are kind of the two key issues that any government now really needs to get a grip with. And that's the expectation from the man on the street is to get the economy sorted out, bring the country back to prosperity and to uh, improve people's purchasing power. But the problem is, Elton, surely instead of dealing with the economy for the next few weeks and months, the government are more concerned in forming the coalition. They spend so much energy, it seems to me, in coalitions and then some collapse and then they have to renegotiate another coalition. The system really isn't working, is it? Well, again, this is what Faiz Sujol, the UBP leader, was really hoping for, to get a majority so that he could govern for the next five years. I think the, the thing is with the system, it's the way the electoral system is set up means it's quite difficult for one party to get that majority. As you rightly point out, we there have been so many coalitions because the threshold is at 5% is not particularly high. Uh, for example, in Turkey, I think it's 10%. So there you have, you know, the, the, the bar is higher to get into parliament. And I know in the past there have been suggestions here that should should it be raised to say seven and a half percent, because the the electoral success of one party depends not just on its own success but also how many other parties get into parliament. So the more parties you have, the smaller the the slice of each that each gets. So I think until or unless there's any kind of change in in the way parties are get into parliament, I think it will be quite difficult for one party to be able to rule on its own. It has happened in the past. It seems that we have more political parties now, and that probably makes it harder. For example, the Democrat Party was set up by a group of MPs that split from the UBP. So the UBP and CTP have been around for the longest. But then we have a lot of other parties that have split from the bigger parties, formed their own groups. And this kind of, if you like, dilutes the makeup of, of the parties in Parliament therefore makes it harder for one party to rule on its own. I saw an article actually that said that there were quite a lot of women this time round been voted in, that it's uh, that's right, a quite yes. high proportion. So that, that's good news. That's uh, uh, enlightening, if you like. Yes, that, that's uh, uh, probably the best news uh, from the election was the for the TRNC for North Cyprus, a record number of female MPs. Although it's still below equality, it's up to 11 now out of 50. So 22% of the MPs in North Cyprus are now women. It was nine at the last election, which was also a record. And and this change has come about because for the 2018 election, the TRNC introduced a quota, which says that, that political parties must have a certain percentage of female candidates. I think it's around 30%. So that's helped increase the number of uh, female and cat candidates, which has in turn helped increase the number of uh, women who are getting into parliament. So that was a good plus, plus point from the election. We'll have to see how many then end up becoming ministers, uh, because at the moment it is still largely a, a male-dominated area. If you look at all the political parties, whether they're left or right, they all have male leaders. And in the government at the moment, there's only one female minister. So we'll have to see what happens once the government's formed, but still that's a, a positive development in, 
uh, in that sense. So you mentioned earlier, Eltan, about what sort of things that people are going to be looking at, the the new government are going to be looking at. But where do you see it sort of five, ten years down the line? I know it's difficult, you know, if you don't have a crystal ball, but do you sort of see this coalition just keeping going for the time being? Is it working? I think it's going to be a challenge for any coalition that is formed after this election to last the full five years. I can't remember off the top of my head any election, any uh, coalition that has lasted that long. But the, I think the message from the electorate, judging by the turnouts, is that people don't want constant elections, constant gut changes of governments. Although we, the last election was four years ago, in that space of time, there were four different governments because they, they were forming coalitions and someone wasn't happy and saying, well, that's it, I'm, I'm, I'm out, I'm quitting. So then they had to form another coalition so that the last parliament turned out four different governments. And that was mainly the reason why they had to call another election to try and solve this. Whether it is going to solve that remains uh, the question at the moment. But I think all political party leaders do understand the need for stability, the need for consistency in this current economic crisis and that they don't, people don't want to have these constant elections. And I think even Faiz or Joel or the UPP leader was saying yesterday, he doesn't want to have to form another government or another election six months from now, one year from, from now. He wants a government that's going to be here for the next five, ten years so that they can implement a long-term plan, make the TRNT a country that can stand on its own two feet alongside Turkey, with Turkey's support. That's, I think, what, what everyone wants now. Basically, what's the next big election going to be? Is it, the, is it the presidential one? Well, the next big election would be the presidential election, although that's not until 2025, providing, of course, we don't end up having another earlier general election called before that. But the, 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 next, general, the next presidential election would be in, is uh, 2025. So there's there's kind of a tight you know a, a period now where those plans can be implemented and people don't have to worry too much about another election. And I think that's what people really want now. They just want the governments, the parties, to just get on with it and to improve the standard of living, to improve the purchasing power of the people. The other important thing to mention, because you mentioned presidential elections, Mr. Tatar has said, Mr. Tatar, the president, has said that the results reaffirmed support for a two-state solution, although that's obviously not the uh, issue that was being debated in the general election. He's seen the result of as a reaffirmation that most of the parties now in Parliament are sort of in line with the two-state solution and in uh, harmony, if you like, with Turkey. So I think in that sense, it's a good thing that we have a president, the main parties in Parliament and Turkey all sort of on the same page now, it seems. How much does the president have influence over the government, over the prime minister? I mean, how do, how do they work together, if at all? There's the, the separate systems. However, obviously, it's important for the country for them to be able to work together for harmony. So the, the president has a role in terms of asking the leader of the biggest party to form a government. So there's kind of a process where he has to appoint someone to form a government. Then when that person says, right, I've formed a government, then he has to say, yes, I accept it. So there's kind of a procedural role there. 
but also president will want the support of the governments on key issues like the Cyprus problem. We have had in the past situations where the political party, the government has been at odds with presidents. That was when uh, Mustafa Akinjur was the president. But right now we don't seem to have that problem because the current president, Ersin Tatar, is a former leader of the National Unity Party the U- and the UVP, which is likely to form the next government. So we don't see any kind of problem between relations between the government and the presidents in that sense. Well, that was Elton Halil and our grateful thanks to uh, Elton because, Sarah, um, I think at 5.29 on the Friday evening, Cyprus Today went to press and at 5.30 he agreed to talk to us and he explained it so much better than I ever could. It was a, a delight to speak to him once again. It was indeed, yeah. So thank you very much indeed to him. It's always good to know what's going on in the country in which you live or which you're interested in, isn't it? Particularly sort of politically, because even though you don't have a direct access to the polls, uh, people can't vote. It's still interesting to know what's going on and how it's going to affect the country that you live in. So uh, yeah, thanks indeed to uh, LTAM. So thanks again for listening. Do get in touch if you've got any stories or you'd like to chat to us or anything like that. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Talking Round North Cyprus. You can always email us as well, trnc.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Sarah Palmer. And I'm Roger Barra. Thanks once again, you lovely folks, for listening to Talking Round North Cyprus.